Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I'm reading about the story. It's a parable. It's a story. I like the storytelling ability and the easy-to-read version, so I read from that this morning, if you notice on the screen. Jesus told this story. A man had a fig tree. He planted it in his garden. He came looking for some fruit on it, but he found none. He had a servant who took care of his garden. So he said to his servant, I have been looking for fruit on this tree for three years, but I never find any. Cut it down. Why should I waste the ground? Verse 8, but the servant answered, "Mm, Master, let the tree have one more year to produce fruit. Let me dig up the dirt around it and fertilize it. Maybe the tree will have fruit on it next year. If it so does not produce, then you can cut it down. I want to preach to you about the best is yet to come, but I want us to lean into the parable of the fig tree. I've already prayed for you, so God bless you for standing. You may be seated this morning. We learn that there are four hopes. There is what we would call authentic hope which is committed, action-oriented, faith-filled. We learn there is a false hope, which would be wishful, distorted reality. There's also a lost hope, something that is given up or you're discouragement. And then, worst of all, there is no hope, which is helpless or defeated. I think Luke 13, the parable of the fig tree, is the parable of possibility, the best is yet to come story. You see, it's not a statement of fact. It's a declaration of hope. And that declaration of hope is an activation of faith. Faith is the key bridge. Faith is the fast track into the holy of holies. Whatever situation you are in today, faith will activate that fast track and give you an all-pass access into the holy of holies. What is the holy of holies? Maybe you're new to church or to God, and it's a symbolic type and shadow of the Old Testament. That the high priest once a year would enter into the holy of holies and the Shekinah glory of God would descend upon the Ark of the Covenant. And he would be in the presence of God. The Bible says God is a spirit, and a spirit hath not flesh and bones. And so the spirit of God was there with the high priest. And so the possibility that you and I could activate the environment of the Holy of Holies is done by faith. Someone shout faith. In this parable, the owner of the vineyard was tired of waiting for the fruit. And he wanted it gone so he could replace the tree and free up the ground and maybe plant something else that was more productive. 
But we learn in Leviticus 19, and it tells us that we could not eat, they could not eat of the Old Testament fruit of the tree for three years. That's why it's in the scripture there, for three years. If you were to read beyond verse 25, Leviticus 19, you would see that the fourth year was reserved for the Lord. So in Old Testament understanding and language and the laws, if you planted a tree, you could not eat of the fruit until the fifth year. The first three years, it's cultivating, it's maturing, it's producing or supposed to produce. And then after that, that fourth year is the Lord's. And I just interrupt myself for a minute and tell you, you know what? The Lord always reserves something for himself. Not everything is yours to take of. And since he's God, he can reserve whatever he wants to reserve. Maybe you say, well, what does God need to reserve anything? He's God. What does he need it for? Maybe he's testing your obedience. Oh, you mind if I preach for a minute? Maybe he's in the Garden of Eden. Hey, you can have all of these things, but don't touch this. And human nature is, oh, man, I want that. But if he had not said, don't touch this, you probably wouldn't even have noticed it the whole time you were living in the Garden of Eden. Humanity has a way of wanting what they can't have. End of interruption. Back to my sermon. So the parable of five years, or the parable in relation to five years, he was saying, hey, if it doesn't produce in the fifth year, I'm going to cut it down. Because the fifth year is when I ought to start getting the fruits of my labor. I've watered this tree. I've tilled the soil. I've fertilized this. I've plucked away the weeds and the insects. And you better start producing. It's called a return on investment. I want some fruit coming off this tree. I've spent money to buy you. I've planted you. I paid a gardener to take care of you. And you better start producing. So in the natural, I understand how the master came and said, you know what? He's got to go. We're done. That ship has sailed. Get him up. I'm putting someone in there that's going to produce quicker. I understand the human side of it. But let me give you the spoiler alert as you may have been in a non-producing season for four years. But this year is your fifth, and I declare to you the best is yet to come. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your relationship. I'm talking about your health. I'm talking about your faith. I'm talking about your connectivity. Maybe you've been going for three years, and then the fourth year is reserved for God. But understand, I declare to you that the best is yet to come. Why? Because you're in a fifth year season. It's the fruit of your labor. You've toiled. You've trusted. You've prayed. You've come to church. You've leaned into God. You've walked in the holy of holies. You've dressed holy. You've been faithful in all areas. And nothing's happened, but I want to tell somebody today that you are in the fifth year of a... You are in a fifth year, and I declare that to you, that the best is coming in the fifth year. Oh, someone shout amen like you believe it. The fifth year is kind of like Islamismo. To the children of Israel walking around the walls of Jericho seven times. Naaman dips Seven times. The fruit tree is now mine that I could harvest it for my family and we can partake of the fruit thereof. It's year five. Can I tell somebody today, don't be discouraged in years one through three. Don't be discouraged in years three through four. What are you doing? I still come to church. I still believe in God. I know he's powerful. I know I'm saved. God's taking care of things. How can you say that? Because the best is yet to come. I'm entering into my fifth year. 
And so the world, friends and co-workers may have written you off. They may have thought your best days are behind you. But the Lord is affirming today that the best is yet to come. Somebody shout, I receive it. The best is yet to come. I receive it. Shout it back. You see, this parable shows the potential unrealized. The parable teaches us that the key element in producing, that the best is coming. The tree is planted with purpose, Luke 13 and 6. Here's the unique thing. The fig tree is planted in the vineyard. It seems like it's the wrong place. And if we're not careful, we can let the enemy tell us that we are in the wrong place. There's nothing for you to accomplish. And you can remain fruitless, is what the enemy says. Or we can realize that I'm a fig tree in a vineyard. Oh, come on, somebody. You have the most unique fruit in the valley. You have fruit that will absolutely flourish and uniquely bless those around you. I'm telling you, if you looked at it in the surface and you studied it out, you would wonder, why is there a fig tree planted here? It doesn't fit. It's not normal. This isn't a fig tree orchard. Why is this one fig tree all by itself? But my telling you, my friend, Brother Tim, it was planted for a purpose. It was planted with a purpose. And maybe you wonder, what is your purpose? I'm telling you that Calvary came with a purpose, and he's going to wash your sins away. And as they sang this morning, maybe you came into this place a little tired. You came in a little dirty. You came in a little confused. You came in a little weary. You came in a little down and out. But when you get in the presence of God and you begin to worship on holy ground, you begin to lift up your hands and say, come on, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because I was saved with a purpose. I am planted with a purpose. Mm, Come on, somebody. Woo! The best is yet to come. I receive it. Hey. Sometimes we look over, judge, and look and view at our neighbor's fruit. But let me just help somebody here today that needs to hear this. The only reason you look at your neighbor's fruit is to make sure that they have enough. You see, in the parable, in the story, The master, or I'm going to say, and the gardener is patient. Instead of ripping the vineyard apart, the master has mercy. How many among us have been in seasons that we've not produced? How many among us have had some hard times that we wondered if there even was a God? How many among us have walked through the valley of the shadow of death and have thought in our heart if we've not cried out, this isn't fair? How many among us have been in times that we've been in a dark valley or a desert and we've been in a dry spot? I'm telling you, my friend, I've been through the valley. I've been through the flood, but thank God we stay faithful. We show up and give our praise to God. I show up and tell God I'm here. Why? I might be in the desert and I might be in a valley and I might be in an alley and I might be in a walls of discouragement, but I understand I'm in my fifth year. I'm in my sixth year. God's going to produce. I'm leaning in and I'm not listening to the voice of the enemy. The voice of the enemy is always the opposite to pull me out of church. 
And you're not going to get the best of yet to come results waffling on a fence and wondering, hey, should we go to church today? You got to get up with a purpose in mind. You got to lay down the night before. Tomorrow is the day the Lord hath made. I don't care if you have 11 kids like the Chavez's or eight kids like the Turner's. You lay their clothes out the night before. You wash them. You put the socks together. You put the little T-shirts there. You lay them on the couch. Hey, I only had two kids, and I know how to help you. It's not rocket science. What are you doing? Hey, kids, we go to church on Sunday. Well, is God going to move? We're going to find out when we get there. But that is not part of my decision. I'm getting to the house of God. Why are you going to do that, Dad? Because this could be the day that the best is yet to come. If I stay home, I don't hear it. I don't see it. I don't feel mm, Come on. It only takes one song. It only takes one message. It only takes one trip to the altar. And God steps in and says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. Only one message to change a life, a marriage, a trajectory of a family or a child. Hey, hear me, somebody. The best is not yet to come. The best is here. Why? Because God's here. The Spirit of God is here. It's not coming. It's all around me. Hey, it's not in the... It's not in the future. It's here today. Hey. I know I'm on the third lesson. And I want to rewrite the title. I don't like it now. The best is here. Pastor Nolan, we don't need this bottom one. Get rid of that red block. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, freedom and liberty and victory and anointing. Where the Spirit of the Lord is. So the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So maybe you're the fig tree. And you're in a season that you feel the enemy's telling me you're not producing, nothing's changing, you still have problems, you haven't got it figured out, this life doesn't seem that much greater than the life I used to be in. So he's always pecking in your ear. And then there's a church, there's a people of God, a pastor that say, hey, come on, hang on. Give me one more year. Come on. Don't do that. Think this thing through. You have kids. You have a future. There's Calvary. You have the Spirit of God. Hey, let's give it one more year and see what the Spirit of God won't do. That, that, that's the spiritual application to the fig tree. And you say, you know, Pastor, I don't know. It's been three years, and I think my friends are right. They're calling me back out to darkness. I'm saying, no. Come on, let's give it one more year. If he brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light, he does not intend for you to live there. I know I've already mentioned that a few weeks ago, but it's coming back into my spirit. Somebody needs to hear this. The best is not yet to come necessarily in the context of my message, but right now. Why? Because we are on holy ground. Someone shout holy ground. 
We are in the holy of holies. And the Shekinah glory of God now comes down as a dove of the Holy Ghost. It not only descends, it not only fills the atmosphere, but it is in his people. If you've not received the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, my friends, today is your day. In that case, the best is yet to come in a couple of minutes for you. If you've not gone down into a watery grave, I know October 2nd is baptism Sunday, but whatever today's date is, September 18th, my friend, that can be your baptism Sunday. You don't have to wait. Why? Because God is here. And if he's touching your heart and you're wanting the power and you're wanting your sins washed away, then the best is yet to come for you today. Someone shout today. You don't have to wait. There's no waiting room. There's no waiting line. It's activated by a hungry heart and faith. So whatever you have need of, you have need of the new birth experience, today's your day. You have need of a touch from God because you got a bad report from the doctor, then today's your day. God doesn't make people wait that need something from him. You see, the, the fast pass, what do they call that at Disneyland where you pay extra money and you don't have to wait in line? Okay, to all the hecklers, let me preach. I'm in charge. I got the mic. So before the heckler wanted attention, let me back up now. What question did I ask? It's called the lightning pass. Lightning lane, okay? I don't have little kids at home. I don't go to Disneyland. I, I don't preach against that. It's just too expensive. And I say, babe, let's just go to a steak dinner, and it's way easier, and you don't have to drive nowhere. If I'm going to spend 460 bucks. Man, that could get us several steak dinners, and I don't have to drive on the 91. I, I hear myself in my head, Brother French, old man, right? <laughs> old man, okay. <clears throat> anyway, lightning lane. See, when you come to church <clears throat> and you need something from God, and the whole, let's, let's just do this, okay? This is the Holy of Holies. And, and we know or it's holy ground. We get in there, and we have faith. I think we have enough faith. You know what? If I can get with God, Sister Rose, everything's going to be okay. True statement. But sometimes the gulf or the gap between us and the Holy of Holies is not people. It's things right here. It's hurts. It's disappointments. It's setbacks. It's anger. It's whatever is up here. And so for me to get there, it's not a people issue. It's a mind issue. And so for me to get to the Holy of Holies and have God touch things and resolve things, I got to get through this. And the Spirit of God is calling. And when you have the Spirit of God, it's called the Holy Spirit. The King James calls it the Holy Ghost. Inside of you, that's God's Spirit inside of you. And it gives me the lightning lane to get up to God and push past all the supposed people, supuestamente, things, closest in my life, in mi vida. But I got to get past that. And nobody can help me because nobody can see it. You see, if there's a line, I could come get you and I could escort you up to the front. Why? Because I'm the pastor. 
And who's going to tell, hey, pastor, you can't take cuts. Nobody's going to say that. Hey, who said that? But it's as if I'm escorting you up the fast lane, past all the things in your head, past all the naysayers, past all the darkness, past all the enemies, past all the failed past. You get past all that. And then when you get in the holy of holies, hmm, the power that awaits you and the connectivity that you have with God. That's why we can preach with confidence and I can preach with faith that the best is yet to come. Why, pastor, is it yet to come? There's an implication it's in the future because you got to get past the things in your head to see what God wants to do in your life. So that is depending on you. Why you get past the things, how long is the future before I'm blessed? That depends how long it takes you to get past your stuff. I can't answer that. But here's the irony of the whole thing. You can answer it. And I've pastored long enough and I've worked with enough people to know that it takes faith. And when you've latched on to faith, you can get past anything that has been a hindrance or an obstruction to you. Faith that if the lady with an issue of blood, 12 years, that she presses her way through the crowd of people and men. And she has faith. Nobody preached that before. Nobody preached, hey, there's power in the hem of Jesus' garment, FYI. It's like they're not going to tell you. It's the secret menu. But if you touch his garment, I'm telling you, you're going you're gonna to be made whole. No. Her faith wrote the narrative. Never done before, never done since. So here's my question to you. Mm, I'm, here's my question. What is your faith telling you to do that's never been done before or has never been done since? Now, you see, here's what it is. Yours isn't a blood issue, maybe. You're, you're not the little woman pressing through. But there's some scenarios and, and parallels that you've got to push through that your faith will tell you. If I can do this, I will get to this and I will receive this. And then I know the best will not be to come. The best will be present with me. Why? Because my faith activated the miracle. So just think with me for a moment. What is in your life that is in that little woman's life, hers was labeled as blood, a blood disorder. Okay? You have to replace the blood with something else. Maybe yours is blood. Maybe there's a deficiency in your blood. But probably for most among us, it's something else. And I'm trying to bring faith to your house today. I'm trying to bring faith to your mind today so that today is not just another service and going through the, the routine of gymnastics of having church because we are a church. No, today is the day that I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. I'm going to get into the Holy of Holies. I'm going to seek some answers and I'm going to receive some answers. And what I did last week or last month is not going to be the same. Why? Because God touched me. God honored me. God leaned into my need. God lent an ear to my situation. God saw where I was. How did he see all that? Because of your faith. 
And this parable is ultimately a story about the best is yet to come. He was waiting with patience for it to produce. But he was also watching with a sense of urgency. You see, God has incredible patience and mercy for us. You are planted with a purpose. And maybe, let me just, maybe you you wonder, well, what's my purpose? You see, the fig tree was kind of out of place in the orchard where it was. And I could see in the fig tree, in the natural, if you're looking around, say, what am I supposed to do here? Figs? This is an apple orchard. Figs? These are all pecan trees. And you are here today wondering, Christians? Save folk? Apostolic? Pecan trees? Apple trees? Orange trees? And you're wondering, what is my purpose? I'm not an orange tree. I'm not an apple tree. I don't come from the pecan tree family. But the message and what God's trying to tell you is you are planted here with a purpose. To produce to the glory of God who you are. Hmm. The friends around you need to see your fruit. The people that you socialize with and the orchards that you are in during the week, maybe you're the only Christian tree in the orchard. Mm. And you get amongst us and feel you're insignificant. I'm telling you, no, that's a voice from the enemy. The devil's a liar, and the blood of Jesus is against him. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are in this orchard, and you are planted with a purpose, and you're here today, and you're a member of this church for a purpose, and a divine purpose from heaven. So the best in your life is here, right now. But during the producing of fruit, there are seasons of barrenness. I understand. So much so that others around you see only the barren tree, not the lush producing fruit tree that you were made to be. You see, in life there are seasons that we produce, there are seasons of barrenness. In the secular world, there is something that is called disruptive innovation. Disruptive innovation is a business term that describes when an industry pattern of norms is challenged by innovation, usually coming from smaller or grassroots companies. It will often transform the industry for better, 
taken things to the next level. It shakes everything up from the bottom instead of the top. It's digging up the establishment ground to change things for the better. You see, God uses that which is uncomfortable. If we lean into the secular term, it's a disruptive innovation. But as it is in the secular world of businesses, disruptive innovation, as they said, brings room for the newness, innovation, technology, quicker service, more consistent things. But it disrupts the way that we used to do business. And if we've done business like this forever and we're not susceptible to change, it's very upsetting. I wonder how many among us have been living in a life that God's been trying to change some things up. Say, well, I've always done it this way. I've always served God this way. I've never really done more than this. And I've always done this much. And there's been a threshold or or a limit on what you've done. And God's changing some things up. And if we're not careful, we can say that's coming from the enemy. And we can blame him. And to be honest with you, he gets blamed or gets more credit than he even deserves. Because some things, God's involved. And if we're not spiritual enough, we don't see what God's trying to do disrupt innovation, changing some things, what? To make me produce fruit, to make me to be more productive for God. If he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish, then I'm going to be a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. We used to sing back in the old day, I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the water, I shall not be moved. Why? Because I know storms come, Brother Tony, and I know things come, and Mother Nature sends things, and life just happens. But I tell you, my friend, if I'm planted for a purpose, I'm staying put in the church. The church always wins, and I'm not leaving. I'm not jumping to another orchard. I'm not trying to change the fruit on my tree. Why? Because God has put this together, and God does all all things well. There are moments in life where we've got to stop lamenting the hardship or the pain and start embracing the struggle. If the best truly is yet to come, then we need to start living by faith so that it will be so. As you stand this morning, there are some that you have been weary in your three years. You're planted. You're supposed to be producing fruit. That's the norm, the expectation. And you feel like the fig tree. Anything, any element, any thought, any spirit that wants to hewn you or cut you down is from the enemy. But now you've made it past the fourth year, which is unto the Lord. And you're living in your proverbial fifth year. Which simply means in the Old Testament custom, now I can start plucking the fruit. I can start eating the peaches. We can strip the pecan tree and we can start making pecan pie. 
We can take the lemons off the lemon tree and lemon meringue pie now can fill the table. But I had to wait to get here. I had to push back and through the mental challenges when I questioned myself, when I questioned my whereabouts and my calling, when I questioned about the orchard I was planted in. But now you see the fruit, the pies, the fruit baskets, the smoothies, all the good stuff. And, and I think as I get older that as you put a little bit of elbow grease into it and a little bit of blood, sweat, and tears, Brother French, there's a greater appreciation for this. You see, last night my wife and I were talking, relaxing, and said, hey, babe, how about I make us a peanut butter and banana smoothie? Now, I'm thinking she's going to say, no, I'm fine. She goes, ooh, that sounds good. So I got up and I made my favorite, peanut butter and banana smoothie. All healthy, soy milk, yogurt, ice, no sugar. And so I split it up and I give her half. And mine's on the counter because I... I walk, hand hers. She's sitting down, laying, laying down on a recliner, not moving. A statue. I'm the only one moving in the house. What's up with that? Never mind. She, so I serve her with gladness. Wink, wink. Here's your smoothie. Oh, this is for me? Of course it's for you. I'm going to go get mine. So as I walk back to the kitchen, I hear this. She goes, mmm, this is good. And then I get my smoothie. I'm the smoothie barista. I made this thing. And so when I finally get down to my chair, and I took a little swig of my smoothie, you see, I knew what went into this to make it. This is really good. Mm, I make good smoothies. Because I'm enjoying the fruits of my labor. But it was my investment of time. I had to get all the stuff out of the fridge, out of the counter. I had to put all the dirty stuff back in the sink before I could even drink. She's drinking her smoothie and I haven't even put the dishes in the sink. But when I finally sit down, there was a waiting time. It was good. And I actually thought for a minute, man, I could drink more. I wish I hadn't shared with her. I didn't say, I just thought, woohoo. Didn't say nothing about that. Well, you better keep that to yourself. Yeah, you're probably right. Just be, we had a great conversation up here. But, but here, some of you have been waiting and doing the work. You're getting the stuff out of the fridge. You're getting the little ninja bullet ready. You're getting the ice. You're putting all this energy into it. You say, man, I haven't even had a drink of... This takes energy. This takes effort. I don't... But you're investing. 
And some of you are right on the precipice of sitting down to drink your smoothie. Oh. And if you're not careful, you're going to get disoriented in the disruption of making the smoothie and putting the dirty dishes away before you even taste the fruit of your labor. All I'm saying is that you're somewhere between the chair and the kitchen. And God wants you to know today that your season of harvest is right here. What do you need to harvest in your life? You need a marriage touched? You need a mind restored? You need affirmation that God really loves you? Maybe you need affirmation that there is even a God. See, my harvest would be if God healed my relationship with my son. My harvest would be if, and then you fill in the harvest answer. But I just want to tell you, I want to affirm, you're right there. So I go back. Nolan, I guess it actually is okay. The best is yet to come because we haven't activated the miracle yet. We haven't activated the answer yet. So it's coming. It's a step away. It's a half a step away. It's two steps away. But you will, I'm going to end here, but listen to me. I'm going to end here, but listen to me. You will never get to see the best to come if you stop growing where you're planted. Well, I don't have any fruit. I can see that. I got eyes. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, Brother Hugo. Brother Hugo lost a dear aunt this last Sunday or a couple days ago. Their family is devastated. I don't see God, maybe. He's not saying this. I'm just preaching. Hey, God's a million miles away. Hang on. If David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, okay, in their case, death, you feel in another word. Yea, though I walk through the valley of a broken relationship with my family. Yea, though I walk through the valley of a lab report. Yea, though I walk through the valley of financial woes. Okay, now pick up the sentence. I will fear no evil. And I'm going to add to Psalm 23, comma, because the best is yet to come. So God's reaching for you, friends. Mr. and Mrs. Fig Tree, Brother and sister fig tree. First and second time guest fig tree. You are in the right orchard. Stay planted. Stay believing. Stay coming. Stay worshiping. And you will see. You know what? The best is yet to come. It came. And I went past it. And to God be the glory. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that every fig tree that's listening will be affirmed today. We will not cut you down. We will not let nobody do that. You will not be hewn up and plucked up. 
The world, the friends, the break room, the unsaved people in your life will not speak into your life because you are a fig tree. Planted in the orchard of True Vine Pentecostal Church, we will not let you die. We will not let you wither. We will not let you shrivel up in a drought. For we will share water with you. We will share nutrients with you. We will share the goodness of God with you. Why, sir? Because the best is yet to come. You're a fig tree. And if that's a parable, there's some shadows and types that are associated with us today as the apostolic church. This church will never die. This is God's fig tree. And we are producing fruit. I bless every hearer today, everyone that streams this, watches in an archive fashion, God. If they hear the words of me preaching today, I pray that their land and the soil around them is activated because the best is yet to come. I pray this in the spirit, these things are so. Amen. Amen. If you have never received the infilling of the spirit of God, I want to invite you to the front. Let us pray with you. If you've never been baptized, say, hey, what's my next step? I want to get closer to God. What's this stuff about a conversion? Then you, come on, let us talk with you. Because my pastoral objective is to get everybody as close to Calvary as possible, where there's power and peace and anointing. And if you've not experienced what I'm preaching about, you need to let us help you. Second altar call, if you need a touch from God. If you feel like I'm a withered fig tree, what's the purpose of even trying? I'm depleted. I'm bowed over. I'm discouraged. I'm all alone. And I'm saying, come on. God's going to bring those branches back out. The energy and spirit and vibe that you used to know is being restored. I declare that unto you. Amen. Praise team, you can help me. Altars are open, my friend. Would you come? Ministerial staff, please come help me. Let's pray. Let's anoint some fig trees. Let's bless some fig trees. Let's, let's curse the devourer. Let's curse the darkness. Let's bring nutrients to the soil. Come on, my friend. I'll preach to you. What's God telling you? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.